Welcome to episode 34 of the Rich Roll Podcast with Christian Ledesma and Bob Groff. The Rich Roll Podcast. Hey everybody. Welcome back to the show. My name is Rich Roll. This is the Rich Roll Podcast. Uh, thanks for joining me today. I'm pretty excited about today's interview. Um, a couple weeks ago, when I was back in New York City, I had the very good fortune uh, to be invited to make the trek from Manhattan out to Flushing, Queens, to visit PS244, which is a public elementary school uh, out in Flushing, Uh it's actually, they like to call themselves the Active Learning Elementary School. It was founded in 2008 with a mission to educate uh, a child's mind, body, and character. Uh, in other words, it's kind of a school where the principles of wellness are interwoven into the constitution or the DNA, the very fabric of, of what this school is all about. And it's a unique creature uh, within the construct of a gigantic public school system. It's not a charter school. It's not a private school. It's not a pilot program. It is a typical public school. Um, Yes, it's a little bit new, and they're trying some different and interesting and unique things there. They made headlines uh, at the beginning of May, international headlines actually, for being the first public school, elementary school or otherwise, to institute a vegetarian school lunch, which is a pretty maverick kind of paradigm-busting, groundbreaking move. Um, I'm sure there are some private schools out there with with uh, vegetarian or vegan school lunch options, but this is the first public school program to do so, uh, not to mention a public school within, like I said, the confines of a very, very large uh, bureaucratic machine, which is uh, the New York uh, Department of Education. So it was no small feat. And like I said, it captured headlines across the country, uh, mostly for what they're feeding the kids at lunchtime. Um, it's kind of a reaction to, you know, ketchup is a vegetable and, uh, you know, getting crappy uh, sort of uh, cheese pizza for lunch and the like. And what they're doing is not just vegetarian, but actually like whole food plant-based options. Like they're eating hummus and quinoa and all sorts of interesting, (laughs) really healthy, delicious and nutritious lunches there. And I was curious, I'd read about uh, the school. I tweeted about it when it happened and kind of came across my radar. And when I was going to New York, um, you know, I reached out, I said, I really want to come by and, and check you guys out and meet you guys and see what you're doing. And and I was so glad that they took uh, the time to sit down with me. And by they, I mean Christian Ledesma, who's a science teacher there and also the director of health and nutrition, uh, as well as Bob Groff, who is the principal of the school. So both of them sat down with me. We had a really amazing chat. And kind of what came out of that is the realization, you know, I thought I was going to go there and just kind of learn about their lunch program. Um, and what I learned and what's not really in the articles or in the headlines, what's not really captured or conveyed adequately, in my opinion, is is this idea that, that like I said before, wellness is really part of this school's DNA. Uh, every aspect of the school kind of revolves around developing the child's, not just their mind, but their body and their character, like in the title of their school. And that translates beyond what's on their plate at lunchtime. Uh, I arrived... 
after school. So the kids were already out of session and most of the kids were gone, but they were running after school programs. And Christian gave me a, a little tour and I walked into a classroom where some kindergartners were doing a blackberry tasting and kind of sharing their thoughts and opinions about what they thought it tasted like and whether they liked it or not. And then we walked down the hall and went into another classroom and I think they were first graders, maybe kindergartners also were making their own granola bars. Uh, and then in the back out in the playground, you know, this is on a city block. So it's not like they're on some sort of pastoral landscape out in the countryside. They're in the middle of the city in Flushing. Uh, and on the blacktop sort of along the fences were hanging gardens, like these pouches where they're growing their own food. And in the library, they have a tower garden where they're growing, you know, they're growing greens in there. And uh, it's, it's pretty unique. And it was really, really cool. So it was an honor to sit down with Christian and with Bob. Um, and also, uh, what I wanted to do was also have uh, a woman called Amy Hamlin join us for the interview. Uh, unfortunately, she was not in the city on the day of the interview, and I'm hoping to to record an interview with her later. Uh, and she's sort of a key, or if not the key, critical player in how this um, school launch kind of evolved at this school. She's the executive director of an organization called the New York Coalition, Coalition for Healthy School Food, uh, and that's the group that really kind of made this happen. And they'd, they've been working with PS244 for years, and they work with other schools, obviously, as well, to kind of implement these, these healthy programs for kids. So this was a big victory uh, for that organization, New York Coalition for Healthy School Food, and, and Amy Hamlin was really the one who kind of spearheaded it uh, and, you know, made it her sort of passion project, uh, and sort of babied and fostered it and tirelessly worked to, to make it happen. Um, and she would have been a great addition to this interview, but like I said, she wasn't around and I've gone back and forth with her on email. I'm going to try to do a Skype interview with her cause I really want to get her perspective on all of this. Uh, but I also didn't want to wait too long. I wanted to get this interview up and, and maybe spend more time with Amy on a separate uh, episode. So look for that in the future. Um, before we get into it, a couple ways to uh, link up with these guys, and I'll put this in the show notes as well, but if you want to find out more about what's going on at PS244, you can follow them on Twitter. They're at PS244Q, and their website is PS244Q.org. Um, also, if you want to learn about their kind of fitness and nutrition educational programs, there's a site called fanforkids.org. So that's fan, the number four, kids.org. Um, and it's also important to highlight uh, where you can learn more about the New York Coalition for Healthy School Food. They're on Twitter as well. It's at Healthy School Food, all one word. And on Facebook, they're Good School Food. And their website is healthyschoolfood.org. So check all of that good stuff out. Like I said, I'll put that in the show notes as well. Father's Day is coming up. And so far be it from me to pitch my own book, Finding Ultra, which just came out in paperback, uh, makes a great and cheap Father's Day gift. Why not, right? I think the last time I checked, it was like 12 bucks on Amazon, which is no big deal. It's like the price of one blueprint juice at Whole Foods. Uh, so check that out. And if you are going to check it out on Amazon, make sure you click through the Amazon banner ad on richroll.com. It's on the podcast page or on the blog page. You'll see it on the right-hand margin, just a little black uh, banner ad for Amazon. 
click that, takes you to Amazon, pick up the paperback, pick up the audio book, the hardcover, or pick up, if you don't want to buy my book or you already bought it and you're going to get something on Amazon anyway for Father's Day or otherwise, use the banner ad and it's a great way to support the show. It doesn't cost you a cent extra, but it throws a few nickels in our bucket and helps keep the bandwidth flowing and uh, supports us and what we're doing, which uh, is great. And a lot of you guys are doing it out there. Um, I check the purchases every once in a while and it's so heartwarming to see people using the banner ad to support the show. Um, and, uh, every little bit adds up, uh, if you're feeling extra generous, feel like you've gotten a lot out of this content and these, this program, uh, you can also donate. There's a donate button on richroll.com. Uh, you can subscribe by, to the, to the podcast by throwing us a couple bucks every week or every month, or you can do a one-time donation. It's up to you, but Hey, you don't have to, if you don't want to, um, I appreciate all the donations for sure. It's been amazing. I can't believe how many people have, have donated, you know, money, hard earned money out of their pocket to uh, support what we're doing. And it, it means a ton to me and it helps us keep the show free because the show will always be free. It should always be free. And I love doing it, uh, but it does take a lot of time. Uh, and, uh, I'm trying to keep the quality high. So like I said on an earlier episode, I'm looking to kind of take the production level the the production quality to the next level. Uh, I'm going to be hiring a producer and looking for some studio space and kind of, uh, notching it up a little bit and that stuff costs money. So, um, uh, if you want to, uh, help me help you or help me bring great guests to you, then, uh, yeah, man, the banner ad, finding ultra the cookbook donations, whatever you want to do. Um, all right, enough, enough of that. I'm getting tired of my own voice. Uh, we got a long interview for you today. These guys are great. And you will, uh, realize that I am not a professional broadcaster because when I was listening to this and kind of previewing it, I realized that, uh, you know, I'm doing the interview with both Christian and Bob at the same time. And from time to time, I should have chimed in to identify, you know, who was speaking, whether it was Christian or Bob. And uh, I didn't really do that. So uh, they're both on the same page. Um, and I think you'll get an idea of, of who's who on your own. But my apologies for not being more clear about that. Nonetheless, uh, these guys are bringing some great information to you. I'm completely inspired by what they're doing at this school. It is a model for uh, the next generation for our new generation. And my hope and my dream is that other educators out there will listen to this, will hear what they're doing, will become inspired, and will start to take actions to implement changes within their own schools and school systems to kind of get things moving in the right direction when it comes to wellness, you know, with budgetary cuts and, and, uh, consolidations and sort of the political issues that come into play in school districts across the nation, it's very, very difficult to implement even the tiniest change. And the school lunch programs are a very hot button issue. There's a lot of money at play. There's a lot of lobbying and political interests that come in, that factor into the decisions that get made about the meals that are served to the kids. And so, like I said, even the, the slightest, most incremental change in a positive way, you know, on behalf of the kids or what have you, is very, very challenging to, uh, to implement. And so my hats are off to these guys for getting it done. And if they can do it, other schools can too. So this is a call to action.
We're brought to you today by On. I am a total gearhead. I love researching the latest technology for the sports I enjoy. And I've learned that people often overlook apparel. But what you wear isn't just clothes. It is, without a doubt, technology. Technology that can make or break a performance. And I can tell you, after spending two full days meeting with the apparel wizards at On Labs in Zurich, that On is innovating in this space like no other with next-gen premium fabrics, and just this heightened level of sophistication and precision and testing and development and intentionality previously unheard of that puts them just miles beyond the competition. I've been rocking On's high-performance running apparel, including the long tees, the weather jackets, even the climate jacket, all super lightweight, tailor-fit, built to move, and just gorgeous to get you out and get it done in Fleetfoot comfort, no matter the weather. I'm super proud to be a brand partner with this impressive team. From increasing product sustainability to improved energy return and impact protection, truly Swiss innovation at its finest. To get you moving, On is offering an exclusive 10% discount. To redeem, head over to on.com slash richroll and use code richroll10 at checkout. We're brought to you today by recovery.com. I've been in recovery for a long time. It's not hyperbolic to say that I owe everything good in my life to sobriety. And it all began with treatment and experience that I had that quite literally saved my life. And in the many years since, I've in turn helped many suffering addicts and their loved ones find treatment. And with that, I know all too well just how confusing and how overwhelming and how challenging it can be to find the right place and the right level of care, especially because unfortunately, not all treatment resources adhere to ethical practices. It's a real problem, a problem I'm now happy and proud to share has been solved by the people at recovery.com who created an online support portal designed to guide, to support and empower you to find the ideal level of care tailored to your personal needs. They've partnered with the best global behavioral health providers to cover the full spectrum of behavioral health disorders, including substance use disorders, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, gambling addictions, and more. Navigating their site is simple. Search by insurance coverage, location, treatment type, you name it. Plus, you can read reviews from former patients to help you decide. Whether you're a busy exec, a parent of a struggling teen, or battling addiction yourself, I feel you. I empathize with you. I really do. And they have treatment options for you. Life in recovery is wonderful, and recovery.com is your partner in starting that journey. When you or a loved one need help, go to recovery.com and take the first step towards recovery. To find the best treatment option for you or a loved one, again, go to recovery.com. I'm super proud to announce my next venture, Voicing Change Media. This beautiful consortium of thinkers, storytellers, artists, and visionaries all committed to fostering meaningful exchanges and sharing thought-provoking content. Voicing Change Media will feature shows like The Proof with Simon Hill, Soul Boom with Rain Wilson, Mentor Buffet with Alexi Pappas, Feel Better Live More with Dr. Rangan Chatterjee, and The Conversation with Amanda Decadene. You can explore this network and all its offerings at voicingchange.media. 
So check it out. Listen. Be inspired. Ladies and gentlemen, Christian Ledesma and Bob Roth from PS244 in Queens. Three. It's a magic number. Yes, it is. It's a magic number. Because two times three is six. Three times six is eighteen. And the eighteenth letter in the alphabet is R. Yeah. We got three R's. We're gonna talk about today. We gotta learn to reduce, reuse, recycle. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Christian just gave me a tour uh, of the school. It's, it's already, school's already out, um, but there's some after-school uh, programs going on. And I, I walked into a classroom where about, what what would you say, eight or ten? Were they kindergartners? Ten kindergartners. Ten kindergartners are doing a, a tasting. They're tasting blackberries and sharing their feelings. <laughs> <laughs> completely unstaged, by the way. <laughs> yeah, completely. And then I walked into another classroom and they're making uh, granola bars. So what is going on here? Welcome to our school. <laughs> yeah, this is amazing. No, you guys, I'm, I'm really happy to be here. Uh, you know, as soon as I read the story, uh, I read the New York, I think the first uh, story I read was the one in the New York Post and um, then a couple other ones. And I saw, the, uh, I saw the story go national and then kind of ripple out. And uh, you guys have created uh, quite a seismic effect with this new uh, vegetarian school lunch program that you've recently instituted. When did it start? Like May 1st? So the program itself as full vegetarian started in beginning of January. Oh, I see. So we had some time. We were working with some of the recipes, doing some adjustments, and then decided to announce in May when Office of School Foods and everybody was ready. Right. And this was sort of a, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but kind of a, uh, a natural progression of your collaboration with the New York Coalition for Healthy Schools. Is that the proper name of the organization? The New York Coalition for Healthy School Food. Right, exactly. And so, you, so you've been working with them for quite a while now, right? For, for five years since we started the school. Uh huh. And so, how did that begin? Like, to you know, explain to me the nature of that relationship and kind of how it led to this point of you know you instituting this this really like maverick school lunch program. So this is our fifth year as a school. We had gotten together, two of us, Christian and I, gotten together with another teacher who is now our assistant principal, to Harris, and the former principal, Ivan Tolentino. We had all gotten together and said, we want to put together a school that has an opportunity to fight childhood obesity, fight childhood early onset diabetes. And we had planned on being in the South Bronx, where this is very prevalent. Mm -hmm. The city had decided we were going to move into flushing, but we took that idea and brought it with us to say health and nutrition is going to be a big part of what we do on a regular basis. We had a prior experience with New York Coalition for Healthy School Food and an organization called Fitness and Nutrition for Kids, Fan for Kids, and we brought them with us to help us work on this journey, to help us create a school that not only is selling academically, but helps us on a path towards better nutrition and health understanding because we had thought that it would be the perfect match. Mm -hmm. We believe that eating healthy and living a healthy life helps you better academically. 
mm-hmm. as well as it does in, in your outside of school life. It's so elementary and yet uh, seemingly so far out of reach for so many schools. So, so this was really embedded in the culture and the constitution of this school from, from the outset. It wasn't like you came into a school and changed everything. This was you know, the, the founding principles of a, of a new school um, within the current existing system, right? Right. And, and sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Go. I was saying because uh, because the mission of the school was to provide a health uh, education. One of the things that we were able to do is when we hire teachers, we're able to make sure that they are on board with the mission. And so the buy-in is already there. Uh, and you've met some of the teachers now, and they right. they have their own health and wellness missions individually so they're half marathoners they're runners they're yoga yogis it's incredible right so how did this begin i mean um you know whose idea was it to sort of spearhead this school from from the outset i mean how did how did i guess what i'm asking at really in a more general sense is um you know i mean my perspective is is really from lausd in los angeles and, and the school districts where i live and I've just noticed, um, you know, how difficult it is to do anything different or kind of outside the box uh, politically, you know, for a whole variety of reasons. So, you know, what was it you think that allowed you to kind of get a crack in the door and, and start to kind of shift the paradigm a little bit? Well, I'll tell you that this has certainly been a long time in the making. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, it's our fifth year as a school. It's something we had been working on for six years. Right. Before with the school even started, we were working on our partnerships. New York Coalition for Healthy School Foods, Fan for Kids, we had them ready to go with us five years ago when we opened. And for the first few years, first two years or so, we're just trying to get ourselves up and running as a new school, mm-hmm. brand new from the start. And it wasn't until, I think it was year three, that Christian started working with some of the kids and working with the Alliance for a Healthier Generation to then get rid of chocolate milk. Mm-hmm. And I kind of view that as one of our big starting points towards this revolution of sorts. I feel but like but chocolate is- milk is the ultimate recovery drink. Come on, you guys. <laughs> You've seen the ads, right? Yeah, well, there's also chocolate soy milk for folks <laughs> out there. Uh, the, yeah. Part of, and it came from the kids, which I think was, was the amazing part of that story. Uh, our Fan for Kids instructor was teaching the kids about uh, excess sugar intake and high fructose corn syrup in, in products. And when one day at lunch, they were reading the label on their carton of milk, and they realized how much sugar the chocolate milk had and that it also had high fructose corn syrup uh, in the ingredients. So they went to the principal directly and said, we shouldn't be drinking this. There's something wrong with this equation. What are you doing here? You're breeding <laughs> mutants. Well, the, the way we look at this, and I think it's an understanding that may not have been clear in all of the ads, not ads, but all the articles that have come out, is this is what we're teaching on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. This is not something new for us that we're just throwing a vegetarian menu out. It's about how we're educating our kids on a regular basis. So they have fitness and nutrition classes constantly. Our, we have the program that we have is in each class gets a nutrition class every week. They're doing fitness on a regular basis in physical education. They're having recess every day. 
the teachers are involved and are invested. So we're teaching the kids about making healthy choices. Mm-hmm. So it's really about the type of teaching that we're doing that involves so many aspects of their day to teach them how to live healthier lives and teach them how to make choices that they might not otherwise make. Yeah, I think that's a really important point. It's it's about creating a culture that becomes embedded in who these kids are. I mean, I think if you, and I, you know, in reading the articles, that didn't really come across. You're right. It's sort of like, oh, one day you guys woke up and decided to, you know, do this thing with the school lunches. Um, and I'm not so sure that how that would, you know, if you didn't have the culture that you had here where, you know, healthy living and eating and, and teaching kids about nutrition and fitness and developing these kind of habits and independent thinking um, didn't exist. And just slapping a vegetarian school lunch on top of a, a typical school where that's not part of the culture, you know, I'm not so sure that would work, at least right. not yet. Right. So um, definitely need the buy in on all levels. And, and I think when you asked about the paradigm shift, where does it begin? It obviously began from, from the ground, but I, I think we also happen to be in a very unique place at a unique time when you have our mayor who, for good or bad, um, has tried to fight some of the war on, on the obesity e- epidemic uh, through banning of the large sodas or right. the, the butter intake or the salt intake. And so we happen to be in, in this very unique place where our mission kind of gels with everything that's happening in the city too. Which yeah. was certainly not intentional at the time, but it's kind of worked out that way. Well, it's indicative of kind of what's going on right now. You know, I mean, in, in, I think they're, they're sort of cousins in some regard, you know, Bloomberg's policies and what you guys are doing, but they're also distinct. I mean, you have a guy who's kind of trying to legislate habits and, you know, I get it. It's, it. It makes people talk about these issues, which I think is super important. And it's kind of in the consciousness now in a way that it wasn't a couple of years ago. Um, whereas you guys are, you know, you're doing it differently. You're doing it organically and, you know, taking kids at a very young age where they're impressionable and they're forming these habits that, that are going to be with them their whole lives and, and, and teaching them so that they can be empowered to make their own best decision, right? Exactly what yeah. Has the mayor been out here? He is not. Um, you got to get him out here. We would love to have him. He's a pulpit stop for him. You know <laughs> what I mean? There's a lot of political capital he could be gained by, by making an appearance there, I would think. We had the chancellor in a few weeks ago, and that was great. He was very good with the kids and had lunch with us and the kids and talked about his triathlon experience and his running experience. Uh-huh. So that worked really well. We would love to have the mayor in. We would love to have Michelle Obama in. We'd love to have Bill Clinton in. We have a relationship with the Alliance for a Healthier Generation, which is partially funded from Bill Clinton Foundation. Mm-hmm. So we're looking for an opportunity to disseminate our message further. Yeah, it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen. So I think it's also important to point out that you guys are, uh, It's this is not like a charter school or some kind of special school, right? You're just straight up, you know, straight up public school. So kids that live in this area, every kid, you know, elementary school attends here, right? So there is a, a one distinction to make. Our school is slightly different from some others because we're not what's called a zone school. So it's not a necessity that everybody from this geographic area has to come here. Mm-hmm. Instead, kids 
and their families apply to come here and they get in through a lottery because we have simply there's far too many kids that want to come we don't have space for right. so example being we have 36 seats for a pre-k we had 400 applicants mm-hmm. 450 applicants for 100 seats in kindergarten the parents make the choice to put in the application and which is not always the case for for an area zoned school mm-hmm. but nearly all of our kids come from the direct area right and are there other schools doing what you're doing right now who are working with uh, New York's New York Coalition for Healthy School Food? I mean, are, is this going to start springing up in other neighborhoods in New York or what's going on there? The the former charter school we worked at was uh, Future Leaders Institute in Harlem. And the New York Coalition for Healthy School Food was already there uh, working with them. Uh, you'd have to ask Amy for exact uh-huh. numbers for, for New York City. But... Uh, in terms of a health focus for schools, we partner with the Alliance for a Healthier Generation, and I think they said at last count they had 17,000 schools across the nation uh, working within their framework to improve right. the health of their schools. So we're not the only ones out there. I think I think we're we're the only ones making the news because of our particular lunch program. But yeah, everybody's working on it in some way. Right, and let's talk about the lunch. So, what are these kids now eating? Sure. This is just dry lettuce, right? That's it. <laughs> this is definitely the one of the high points of what we're doing and what is certainly making the news at the moment. But it's been about what we've worked towards. So some of the menu items, for instance, there's a black bean quesadilla with cheddar cheese and a, a salsa. Mm-hmm. That was the one that came out in the news. That was the, the big menu item last week was the first time the, the kids have had falafel, which went over really well. There's been a, a variety of variations on trying to work with tofu. Mm-hmm. That's one item menu item that they're still trying to work out what's the best seasoning for. And right, I read about the, they didn't, the kids didn't like the big cubes, so you're right. making them smaller cubes with a certain kind of sauce on it or something like that. And there's opportunities to make that change. We've been the official vegetarian test kitchen for New York City for about a year and a half. So we'll have, on occasion, the head chef for the city come in and make certain vegetarian recipes that we can try with staff or we can try with kids. Right. The head chef for the city schools. Right. Right. Uh-huh. right. And this is something that, again, it took a long time to get to that point and a lot of pushing and a lot of back and forth and because we wanted it so badly to provide the healthiest options possible. Right. So let's talk about the pushing. I mean, there had to be a political battlefield over this, you know, is it, I mean, it couldn't have been easy, you know, cause I know, you know, I remember, uh, when Jamie Oliver had his food revolution show, uh, a couple of years ago and the first season he was in Pennsylvania and did amazing work with the school system there. And I believe, if if my memory is correct, that he, they wanted to do a second season in uh, in Los Angeles, and there was just too much political, you know, sort of upheaval upheaval over the whole thing, and they weren't able to make it happen. And when you have these, you know, big food companies that are making a lot of money off the foods that they're supplying to public school systems, you know, government organizations, you know, they have their lobbyists and whatnot that, uh, you know, that's got to be an uphill battle. And, and one of the, 
the hardest things for us in, in making these changes is that we have a school district in New York City that it takes care of 1.1 million children. So the Office of School Food basically procures the food for 1.1 million children. Mm-hmm. And so when you have this one school with a couple of hundred kids saying, we'd like to do something We're different. We're going to buck the system, right? right? Uh, they The ordering systems have to change. So it wasn't... It wasn't something that was done overnight, uh, but you know, honestly, they've been working with us. So mm-hmm. it, it's been we've been able to do it because the Office of School Food has also been. Do you think that's a top-down thing because of Bloom, where Bloomberg's coming from, or, or I actually I don't think that it comes from Bloomberg himself, but it's been a part of the Office of School Foods, and they could see it as an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Now, we still all have to go by the USDA guidelines, and that's something that they monitor very closely in the Office of School Foods, mm-hmm. making sure that there's a correct amount of protein in the beans that are served or you know, in the falafel. So that type of oversight is a big deal for the Office of School Foods. Right. And any menu item has to get approved through them. But the Office of School Foods was working with us towards creating these healthier options. Mm-hmm. And, and you're also dealing with a system that has uh, somewhere between a dollar and a dollar fifty per lunch to work with. Right. So uh, one of the great things that the New York Coalition for Healthy School Food does, uh, they, they basically create recipes within that cost range using uh, materials or using, using foods that, and ingredients that are already being ordered by the Office of School Food. Uh-huh. So we were able to create these recipes <clears throat> using basically stuff that we're already using. Right. So it didn't require getting completely new vendors and, and all of that. It's just sourcing different kinds of foods from the vendors that are already providing. Right. And I think that made it easier for the office of school food to be on board too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so what did the kids think? How are they doing? <laughs> you could ask any of our kids at lunchtime, you know, how they feel about it. And, We've certainly had a lot of opportunities for that to happen. Lots of media come in. Lots of Vegetarian Times was in last week. We've had news stations from all over ask that question. And the kids will tell you that they're really excited about the options that they're provided. Now, you will hear a kid say, you know, chicken nuggets was one of my favorites. Right. Well, kids are kids. You know? Sure. And, and and for me to say that that doesn't happen, I, you, know, you could call me a liar. Right. But we really feel strongly that the kids have developed an understanding of why it is this way. And they were part of the process. So I go back to tofu, but the tofu was one where they had an opportunity to give feedback and say what they liked and what they didn't like. Mm-hmm. And we have to be responsive to that. Mm-hmm. In order for this to be successful and continue to be successful, we have to be open to the kids' feedback because they're the ones that are eating the food. Right. So something like uh, the, the lo mein that's served, they absolutely love it. The falafel is new for them, but they're, they were really interested in trying something new. We get kids that will cheer when there's hummus in the <laughs> salad bar. Never expected hummus to be a huge hit, yeah. but it is. That's amazing. So, you know, we, we're being responsive to what they are giving us feedback about, too, mm-hmm. and making adjustments where necessary. 
There was also uh, another neat story that came out of our kitchen with Miss Malini, our, our head cook. She's actually a parent. Right, I'd read that. I was going to ask you about yeah. that. And uh, she decided she wanted to try a recipe one day, a curried chickpea recipe. And the kids loved it. It was, it was just uh-huh. so good. Uh, and, and word went up that this was a good recipe to the point where now the city uses her recipe across the city. Wow. And it's called Malini's Curry Chickpeas on the citywide menu. Oh, that's amazing. Um, and was she the cook before instituting this policy, or did you have to bring in her afterwards to kind of deal with the new kind of parameters? It's been an interesting uh, turn of events. So we had been working on doing two days a week vegetarian. About two years ago, we had started to try and do that. Last January, we got a new food service manager. And we met with the food service manager and said, look, this is what we're working on. We want to increase the three days a week vegetarian. We want to increase the four days a week vegetarian. And it was getting her buy-in. That was a big first step. We sat down with her then and said, well, let's look at the staff that we have in the kitchen currently. And we made some decisions that we needed to make some changes in the kitchen staff so that, because look, making these type of meals does take some more time and effort. There's more cooking involved than heating. Mm -hmm. So we had to bring in a few people that were really into the message and wanted to be a part of something special. Mm -hmm. So we brought in three new other kitchen staff to turn over the kitchen completely within six months. And within that time frame, our recipes really took a big change. Right. So from January 2012 to June 2012 was a huge transformation for us. Mm-hmm. And it was a, a big part of that is to do with the personnel that was now in the kitchen. Right, creating new systems that yeah. can function smoothly, right? They work so hard down there, and, and they take pride in their work, and you can tell you can tell in, in the quality of the food. Right. And so I guess, you know, trying to kind of get into the brains of some people that might be listening to this, uh, you know, I can hear the question swirling around, like, why, why vegetarian? Why not just, you know, paleo or just get rid of the sodas or, you know... <laughs> You guys are trying to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're trying gonna, to decide who's going to feel this one. <laughs> you know, like what was, you know, what was the decision process that arrived at, you know, vegetarian as the, as the, the plan? Okay. Uh, I mean, I could take this one. Sure. We can go back and forth here. Yeah. I mean, for, from, from my own individual perspective, whether, whether we're talking paleo or, or vegetarian, uh, I think there's a lot that the various sides have in common and it's a move towards yes. uh, more whole foods higher quality foods, uh, less processed foods. Mm-hmm. And so when we're looking at the meat being offered by uh, our sc- school food program in New York City, a lot of it is processed meat. I mean, we all saw the, the pink slime stuff in the, right. in the news. Uh, we don't know exactly what grade the meat is all the time. So mm-hmm. when, we're, when we're going for the healthiest option, the healthiest option happens to be the, the whole food plant-based option. Right. Right. So it's really, I mean, vegetarian is this sort of easy term that encapsulates it, but it's really, it's more than just not eating meat. It's about getting rid of the processed foods and the, 
you know, the foods with the chemicals in them right. and the extra sugar and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I'll jump in to support Christian's statement on this because it was really never intended to be about being vegetarian school. We didn't set out five years ago to be a vegetarian school. Mm-hmm. We set out to educate our kids on what making healthy choices is and what it means, what it means to your families and to teach kids how to live a healthy lifestyle. And so for us, it was always about what are the healthiest options that we can provide kids. And we look at it in breakfast. We can look at it in lunch. We look at the snack policy across the city and maybe I shouldn't say it, but I will anyway. The snack policy in the city is something that we've pushed back on. What is the snack policy? The the approved list of snacks range from Oreos and Doritos to Sun Chips and beyond. Uh-huh. And so for us, we've been trying to work on altering what that policy is. Right. So we've had some back and forth conversations with the Department of Health and uh, what happens when kids bring in chocolate milk or cookies is that it's working uh, towards a big sugar shock and then the kids end up crashing the crash. Right. So, you know, not that you're conducting some kind of double blind study here, but obviously (laughs) just sort of, you know, observing uh, behaviorally and in terms of academic performance. I mean, have you seen a shift Already, or I mean, already these kids are way ahead of every other kid just because of the curriculum that you had before the school lunch was shifted. But you know, what kind of changes have you seen, or or in you know, in comparison to what you might see at a typical New York elementary school? Well, we'll we'll say a few things. One to start with health, with fan for kids, and something they're doing right now actually too. We do assess their BMI at the beginning of the year and the end of the year. Mm -hmm. So from 2011 to 2012, 66.1% of our kids showed a significant reduction in BMI. Wow. And the numbers were pretty clear as to what the change in health was with those kids. Christian's bringing over the numbers to to look at. addition... In terms of no significant movement, we only saw 15% of the kids with what was defined as no significant movement. And in, so, In terms of BMI, you mean? In terms of BMI. And the numbers were just so clear. You can kind of draw a connection between what's happening with our health and nutrition and our test results. Mm-hmm. You know, we certainly haven't done a study that can point that out directly, but last year we had 92% of our kids get threes and fours on the ELA, 86% get threes and fours on math, far ahead of, of the what area is that, averages. What is, the, what is the ELA and what is that scale? It, it's a scale out of four, a one, okay. two, three, or four. And in comparison to the rest of the city, there was a significant difference. Right. We were rated the number four early childhood school in the city. Wow. At an A on our progress report. The the reviews that come back are consistently positive for our building. 
And you know, we believe that there's a significant portion of that it has to do with how we're teaching kids to live healthy lives. Mm-hmm. And our, our attendance rates are incredible too. Our attendance rates, I think across the city, uh, range in the 88 to 90% wow. and range. And we consistently have 96 to 98% uh, attendance rates. Our, our sec, one of our second grade classes had the highest attendance rate uh, last month with a 99 point something percent. Mm-hmm. 99.1 for a class for a month. Wow. And what are, what are the citywide stats for attendance and for being, I mean, do you have, can you compare your stats to what the averages are across the rest of New York? In, in terms of BMI, I don't, I don't know if we've gone into that yet. Uh, fan for kids with the programs that they work with in the city have definitely said that we have surpassed the schools that they work with uh, in, in the city. And in terms of attendance rate, we're a good uh, eight, Six, seven, eight percent percentage points above yeah. right. the rest of the city. You know, what's next? Like, where are you taking this? Like, what, you know, what's now you've achieved this. I mean, it's a monumental feat. It's amazing. You know, I'm walking around the school, just looking at, you know, looking at the kids and seeing what you guys are doing. And it's, it's no small thing. You know what I mean? It's really inspiring. And it sounds so trite to say, oh, you know, kids are the future and, you, you know, invest in kids and, and that kind of thing. But, um, but it's true. And you guys are doing it in a, in a really fundamental way. Uh, you know, this is the way, <laughs> this is the way it should be at every school. Unfortunately, that's not, uh, that's not the case. Um, but I'm interested to hear like, you know, what are some of the things that, y- you know, you, y- that you're not doing now that you would like to see implemented over the next couple of years? You want to start? I can jump in right after. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> one of the things as the wellness coordinator of the school, I'd like to connect to the schools in the neighborhood and, and see what we can do to help them out, uh, in terms of getting, their lunch programs overhauled as well. Because one of the things that, that happens, we're pre-K to third grade school and our kids then go on to fourth and fifth grade at a local neighborhood school mm-hmm. where this isn't happening. Right. And so we've seen some of our fourth graders come back with huge bags of potato chips, which is right. something you would not see here. Right. Uh, and, in, and we say, we'll ask them, you know, what's that about? And they say, well, it's allowed at our school and, and they're, They've gone through half a huge bag of potato chips right. in, in a day. They're relapsing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in some ways, I, we're hoping that what we teach them here, when they get older and can make more of their own food choices, that it will have stuck with them. I mean, we have kids who, who love kale, and they're six, seven, eight years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't get introduced to kale until I was 24. So uh, I didn't get introduced to it until I was 40. Right. So, <laughs> so in, in that sense, we're hoping there's the, the building blocks are there. Mm-hmm. But in terms of uh, making sure that this continues in their lifetime, or at least in their in their academic careers, we definitely want to make that connection with the local schools and and make sure that you know they're doing right by the kids in terms of the school. Right. Yeah, it would seem like the logical next step would be to you know the next school in line to kind of start implementing these kind of programs would be the next school these kids are matriculating to, mm-hmm. so that they can get a consistent message throughout their youth, right? And one of the difficulties for us is that our kids go to three or four area schools. Mm -hmm. So they don't funnel into one school that we could work with directly on this. But it's certainly an aspect that we've talked to the Office of School Foods and 
and wellness programs about trying to create that opportunity. Some of the other things that, that we very much still want to do, we have a partnership with the Queens Botanical Gardens, and they're coming in actually next week to help us redo our garden space. Not very big mm-hmm. space, but we're hoping to be starting to plant cherry tomatoes and green beans and thyme and rosemary, basil. So we want to have our kids not only have an opportunity to grow these things, but then use them in the kitchen and mm-hmm. in uh, their own food tastings. And we want to provide them more opportunities to get outside and experience exercise in a different way. We, we want to build partnerships with the Mets, with the, the Red Bulls, for instance, mm-hmm. and teach them about the exercise end of it. And I, I guess it kind of sounds like I'm making a pitch here, but I, maybe no, I it's am great. Too. Um, yeah, I know in San Francisco, there's the in East Palo Alto, which is a lower income uh, town. Um, there's the San the San Francisco 49ers Academy, where the football franchise has literally kind of sponsored this school, and the players get involved. And it seems like that would be a great kind of fit for what you guys are doing with a local you know, absolutely professional franchise. I, I think it City Field is almost throwing rock distance away from us. Mm-hmm. So the Mets would kind of be a natural partner for us if we could have that opportunity. And to have the kids, the kids are going up, actually our third graders are going to an animal sanctuary in the Catskills in a few weeks that they offered to bring our kids up when they heard the story. So that kind of experience is something completely new to our kids that often don't get out of the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So we want them to experience what we're talking about outside of this area and and have it here too. bring people in that can talk about what it means to live a healthy lifestyle, show them an eco-friendly way to do it too. get rid of the styrofoam trays in our kitchen. Right. That's still there that we would love to get rid of. I know the city has been talking about it. Um, you know, to do that, we need some outside help also. But these are all things that we're working towards. So there's still right. a lot more for us to do. Well, uh, a couple things. I mean, first of all, in terms of kind of what you're doing right now, I mean, do you bring in, um, I mean, how integrated are are the parents in what's going on here? Because, you know, obviously if you're doing one thing here and something else is happening at home dietarily or, or what what have you, there's a disconnect. Our, our Fan for Kids program, the instructor has a few workshops throughout the year where they do healthy eating workshops. Uh, and she'll basically go over some ways that you can make smoothies and, and healthy snacks at home, things that are very quick and simple, uh, but healthier options than a processed uh, food from a bag. Right. Uh, and and we also have a family dinner night that the New York Coalition for Healthy School Food puts on with the Office of School Food. And basically they, they cook up the meals that they serve the kids, and and then they'll do something new to try out. And then we have... We invite all the families from the school. This past week, we had our family dinner. Night. We had 150 to 200 people show up, and and they get to taste the food that their kids are eating, and so they they get they get to taste it. I mean, that's that's a huge part of it because then they can talk to their kids about it. They can try it at home. Uh, they a lot of them had tried falafel for the first time last week, and right. so now they know going out into the world that there's this 
really great chickpea thing that you can, you uh-huh. can eat. <laughs> Super creamy. And, and Bob, do you have, um, I mean, do you ha- are there other school principals that are calling you saying, you know, what are you doing here? I want to learn about this. Can I come and visit? Or do you have, it would seem like you should have like open house night for school administrators across the country to come and like see what you guys are doing <laughs> here, you know? That's a great idea, Rich. <laughs> yeah. uh, I will... I'll tell you before I open this up. Or the, whole or the other principals call you and go, what are you doing? You're making me look bad. Well, I'll, first of all, I'll, I'll say that anybody that's, that's out there listening as a principal, if, if you do want to get in contact with us, we're open to having that conversation. Uh, Christian and I have done a lot of outreach and talked to a whole bunch of people in the last couple of weeks about trying to help and just give ideas. You know, sometimes we can help, sometimes we can't. Certainly with New York City, we have more in-depth knowledge than the phone call we got or the email we got from Argentina asking us how to help. That's a little tough for us. Yeah. Uh, but <coughs> I, I, we had a principal who's opening up a school next year come to family dinner night and then spend an hour and a half with us the next day asking questions. How did you do this? What was the procedure? Who did you talk to? Giving her specific names and and places to contact in order to, to work on it. And it's the same message whenever we, we do talk to somebody like that. It's, this is not something that you jump into by any means. Mm-hmm. You need to have the buy-in of all of your community in order to, to even start the process. Right. So the menu that we have is open to the whole city, but the school has to make a choice and have the buy-in of the people in the building to start that process. And the students. Mm-hmm. The students among them. Right, right. Um, so yeah, we that's... have had some of those people come to us, but we're open for having more conversations. And if somebody wants to get in touch with you for that purpose, is there, why don't you tell me how they can do that? Through, is a website through the website or? We're actually working on revamping our website to make it easier for people to find us, but uh, we have uh, our school email address, Tails. It's T-A-L-E-S dot P-S-244-Q at gmail.com. Cool. And I'll put that in the show notes for people that are listening. And and we also have a Twitter account, which we actually started a couple weeks ago when this all happened. I'm still learning how to do it, but yeah. getting better. At P-S-244-Q. At the, there's an, isn't there another one that's, because I tweeted it Mr. L Science. Oh, there you go. That's you. Right on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cool. So, yeah, and I'll put that in the show notes, too. Um, and getting back to what you were saying about growing your own food, uh, Christian took me, you know, when he was giving me the tour, he took me outside. And you guys are already growing tons of stuff out there. I took a picture, and I'll put that in the show notes as well. I mean, what are some of the things you're, you're growing out there right now? And, and you know, how are the ki- – like, what is the process of involving the kids in that? We One of our one of our teachers got a grant through uh, Woolly Pockets program. Yep. And so we have – we have some easy stuff growing, uh, broccoli, uh, lettuce, radishes, leaf, some other leafy greens we were told were, were the easiest stuff to grow mm-hmm. on a fence. Uh, and each, each class got its own set of pocket or two. So they're looking out for, for their own veggies that they're growing. Uh, we actually have a tower garden in here too. Oh, wow. Uh, Those are in great. Our, in our library. Uh, we started growing green leafy vegetables some of our fan for kids food tastings use the lettuce from that in, in their food tastings, uh, which is pretty cool. And, and so we're hoping to expand that, but a big part of it is having the kids 
have that experience of growing the food and eating their own food. It always mm-hmm. tastes much better when you grow it yourself. Of course. Is there some kind of antiquated Byzantine regulation, though, that prevents you from letting the kids eat something that's grown here? Or you're, you're cool, you're, everything's good, to, okay to do that? Well, this is another opportunity, I would say, for us to work with the Office of School Foods. Mm-hmm. We've been working well with them in getting to this point, And it's something that we've talked to some of the kitchen staff about doing. So our staff here on site is all about it. They, you know, they want us to grow basil and see how we could use it. And it's also cool for the kids to see how it comes from, you know, seed to your plate, see the whole process. But we also do food tastings in classes on a regular basis. So that's, that's something that we can do pretty easily. Mm-hmm. And we're not out on some plantation. I mean, this is a city block, no, right? right? And the the yeah. food that you're growing are are simply in these pouches that are hanging from a fence. So, and you have the tower in your in your library, right? right? So it's not about having all kinds of acreage to do this. You only need a little bit of space, right? We certainly wish we had more space. And, yeah. and our roof isn't even worth. Not that it's not worth. It's it's not a good spot for a rooftop garden. So without even that being accessible, we're really trying to utilize every little nook and cranny that we mm-hmm. have. So the fences have turned out to be one of those spots. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I would I would really love to see our playground turn into a forest playground. I don't know if you've seen those uh-huh. from, from over in England and I Germany. haven't. No. It's basically they, they turn a concrete playground into a wooded playground with with natural areas to hide and bushes and And little gardens where kids can grow their own things and and tools and utensils that they can use. Uh, And it basically provides kids in an urban environment with this great natural wonder in their backyard. Right. Um, I don't know how much that costs. Hopefully, if Oprah's listening, we we could use (laughs) some funds for that. Of course she's listening. Come on. Um, I saw in uh, the New York Times today, I tweeted it uh, this morning. I don't know if you guys saw this. This kid, uh, Zach Maxwell. Uh, we love Zach. <laughs> this yes. kid is yes. amazing, right? <laughs> How cool is this? So him and his, he, he basically went undercover in his school, a public school in. in, in Which the, he wouldn't have had to go under, undercover here, but. Right. Well, he wouldn't have had to. Yeah. There's nothing to expose here. But uh, I guess uh, Lower East Side or in Manhattan, I think. Somewhere or or Manhattan. Little Italy. Yeah. Um, there had been a uh, sort of a hullabaloo about these celebrity chefs kind of, you know, creating new menu items for the public school system. And there was a lot of press about it and this whole initiative about improving uh, school lunch for kids. And he just, you know, he kept coming home and saying, yeah, I don't know what, what that's all about. I don't know what Rachel Ray's, you know, recipe is all about because I'm not seeing it. And his dad was like, yeah, 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 whatever. And they, no, one, no one would sort of pay attention to him. So he went undercover with a camera and started uh, taking pictures and filming, you know, what was going on uh, in the cafeteria and the foods that he was actually getting, which bore no resemblance to these fancy, healthy-sounding items. And actually, I think he got cracked down on and uh, the school wanted to, <laughs> yeah. you know, confiscate his film and he was able to sneak it out and his dad i guess is an amateur videographer and and they've made this like 20 minute movie uh, a clip of which is is uh in today's uh new york times online I, i'll post that in the show notes as well but um it's pretty funny and entertaining and and amazing like how old is that kid like 10 yeah he's a he was a fourth grader right so he's 10 something 11. he's gonna be about yeah. 10 10 or 11 right 
our, our assistant principal, too, Harris, said uh, after reading about that, she said that she's gotten so used to seeing our food here that she'd forgotten what the food looks like in the outside world right. in the other public schools. So when you see just a bunch of wilted green lettuce and they call it this colorful thing. Not even a bunch. It was like literally one inch by one inch <laughs> right. of lettuce with a with a, like a tiny piece of horrible looking carrot and then like a, a lousy piece of pizza. The tomato know? salad with no tomato. Right. The picture that I saw from him too was even less than that. It was like four chicken nuggets, two plantains, a milk and an orange that right. looked pretty rough. You got to invite him over here. You should. You know? <laughs> Have him, uh, well, if he's continuing to make a film, he could sort of, as as a point in contrast, kind of film what you guys are doing here. Sure. You know, that would be cool. Well, one of the, one of the little projects that we've been talking about was trying to get Mark Bittman to come in and do a review of our of our kitchen and, and just so he could, people can have a comparison for what is happening here and the rest of the city. Because I think one of the, one of the important pieces that we, we go back to in terms of parent buy-in, uh, you really want parents involved in schools. Yeah, uh, definitely in the health of their children. So I think if parents knew what their kids were eating every day, and I think the wonderful thing about Zach was that he's exposed it, um, there would be change happening. So right. yeah, because he was telling his parents, but they didn't believe him, right? right until he right. brought home footage, right? Yeah, <laughs> and it's it's kind of incredible how it's both what he has done and what we've been working on ended up coming out so closely together, right? Uh, but on the note of talking about what kids and parents knowing what they eat in school, I had a parent come to me uh, at the family dinner night and he came up and said, had my ear for five or 10 minutes to say, I was sending my kid with lunch every day because I didn't know what you were serving. He didn't know what this change was, Mm -hmm. but once he had it himself on that family dinner night, he told me he would never send his child with their own lunch again. Wow. As they had an opportunity to try it and to buy in to what was happening here. Right. It's powerful. And, you know, when you said, you know, it's interesting that, you know, Zach, Zach's little movie came out right around the same time that you guys have instituted this new school lunch, you know, I think that somebody asked me about that the other day. Is like, why does it seem like there's such a zeitgeist right now about plant-based eating? You know, you ha- and and you know, I just think people are looking for sustainable, real change. And you know, right now, like, all right, so the story came out about you guys May first, right? And then today we see Zach Maxwell's little movie, uh, Rip Esselstyn's new book, My Beef with Meat, came out earlier this week. And I know he came and visited you and, and spoke to the kids the other day. Yeah, they I, loved I want to ask great. you about that. Yeah. 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 He's the best, right? He's, yeah. he's yeah. the cool, he's the plant strong King. You Very know, cool guy, yeah. there's nothing not to love about him. Um, and you have, and you mentioned Mark Bittman. He just had a book come out called vegan before six. And there's all this sort of kind of activity around this right now. And it's really kind of a Malcolm Gladwell tipping point moment, I think right now. Um, and my hope is that, you know, it's just the beginning. I hope so too. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, you know, talking about integrating the parents, um, you know, that led me to, to want to talk to you about the culture that you've created here. Um, Christian and I were talking before, before the interview uh, about how, you know, you kind of have to walk your walk. It's, it has to be a cultural thing. Like the, the teachers, you know, the teachers are all into wellness and health and all of that. Um, and Christian, can you tell me a little bit about your personal story? 
sure. to being the plant strong I'm, I'm wellness director that you are now because it's it's interesting, you know, and I, and I think that's powerful as well. Yeah, and, and what, what's interesting is that when we started the school in, in 2008, I definitely was not plant strong. I was uh, plant curious. I think I've heard you use before. plant curious. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was I was definitely eating more veggies than most, uh, but. In, in January 2010, January 1st, 2010, my wife and I found out we were pregnant with our, with our first child. And about a week later, I went to the doctor for some regular blood work. And the cholesterol came back 296. The small LDL particle was really elevated. And the C-reactive protein was uh, three times what it should be. And the doctor, who was your typical traditional doctor, just basically said, if you were a 55-year-old man... I take you to the hospital right now uh, because we need to do further tests. He said, but because you're young and you know how to exercise and, and you know a little bit about eating healthy, I think we can just make some, some changes. And he, and he gave me the, the typical doctor spiel of reducing your fried foods, not too much meat uh, and, and not too much takeout. And, but I went home and I was thoroughly scared. My, my father died at 55 of a heart attack. My mom mm. is a diabetic with heart disease, and here I am having my first child, not knowing what and my life is going to be you're like. You're a young guy. How old are you? I'm 33, so I was 30 right. at the time. 30 at the time. Were you? Did you weigh more than you do now? I mean, you're a thin guy. I am a thin guy. I, I did not actually weigh more than I did. I, I happen to be one of those people that stays within a 10-pound range, uh-huh. uh, regardless of what I do, but unless I'm training for a marathon. But uh, yeah, I mean... I, being a healthy looking thin guy, uh, I never thought there was much of a problem until the, right. The you wouldn't, you wouldn't think. And I think that's all the more powerful because, you know, look, if you're super overweight, then obviously, you know, you got to work on some stuff, but if you're walking around, you're, you're lean, you're 30 years old, 31 years old, there's no reason to believe that there's going to be anything wrong with your health. And then you get these numbers back. And what did your doctor, you know, what was the next step for you? I mean, what led you to kind of what you're doing now? So immediately he put me on, on statins and, and I went home and, and spent hours on Google just trying to figure out uh, what my next steps were for me personally. One of the things I wanted to do was get off the meds. Uh, and, and so I found uh, Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn's book, mm-hmm. uh, Prevent and Reverse Heart Disease. And so right there, great example of using a plant-based diet to to basically stop and even reverse what's happening in, in your arteries. Mm-hmm. So uh, I bought that book. I bought Rip's book, Engine 2 Diet, and and I got to work. And so it's been a work in progress. And I can't say it's 100% plant strong the whole time, but yeah. recently I've been really good at it. Uh, I have blood work coming up next week, and, and I'm hoping to finally say goodbye to the meds. Yeah, uh, I think you will. That's good. Cool. And, uh, and Bob, what kind of led you into, you know, this field? I mean, were you a principal at, or had been an administrator or a teacher at a, at a more typical school or, or kind of, you know, what is your personal story that's led you to this point? So I, I, Christian and I actually started teaching together at the same time in 2002. We both teach for America teachers came into New York city and we were both teaching at the South Bronx at the time. And, uh, he actually got me into running. I was a, a high school athlete, but one of those high school athletes that didn't do much after high school. Right. So, you know, we started teaching together, and at the time I had always 
said that I wanted to move on from teaching. And so about seven, seven years into my teaching career, I said, all right, time to look towards administration. And we had gotten together this, this group of four of us to create that idea of having a unique public school. And I had come into it with the idea of starting in as the assistant principal and eventually coming up as a principal as well. Moves a little bit quicker than I had originally intended, but I was, I was happy to take it on when the opportunity presented itself. So after our first three years of opening the building, I moved up to be principal. Um, and you know, as, as time goes on, I certainly want to affect education in a big way. It's always been a goal of mine to try and have a large effect on, on education and something that both of us have talked about for a long time. Uh, in terms of, of health, you know, Christian was certainly a big reason why I got into running and started doing sprint triathlons. Uh, nice. But looking even further back than that, it's it's not that dissimilar. Our stories both of my grandfathers died in their mid-50s of heart attacks before I was born. Mm-hmm. My father has been on blood pressure medicine since ever as long as I can remember. I got on blood pressure medicine about five years ago. Uh, and it's been, it's been a struggle. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't enjoy taking blood pressure medicine every day. Right. Um, and I, I'm, I'm certainly a, a work in progress I, I'm, we all are. <laughs> we call them plant curious for sure. <laughs> I'm one of those guys that, you know, I'm not a vegetarian. I, I do eat my share of meat, but it's something that I'm getting better at mm-hmm. and reducing. And, you know, for me to cook, which I, I did this week, I took one of the recipes from Rip's book and I made it at home for my fiance and I and, it's it's something that I'm getting better at mm-hmm. as I go here. And and certainly being a part of this school and going where we have gone, you know, I want to be better. I want to be healthier myself. And I've dabbled in vegetarianism, if we can say that. Right. And uh, you know, I, I hope to continue along that path to get myself healthier and and be able to affect education in a big way too. Right. All right, Christian, you need to stay on him, right? Oh, yeah, he does. Absolutely. <laughs> he does. I, I bought him the end of the book. You did? Okay, he, good. He bought me the book, and uh, his son is my godson, and he had his, his put a little PS in there. He said, my son, uh, Santi wants, me to, wants you to stay around a long time, so uh, eat healthy. That's sweet. Cool. I he's, love it. He's definitely, I mean, made big changes. When we first met 11 years ago, we were, I mean, straight out of college, Burger eating, French fries. Who is almost it? Right, yeah, you know? every day. And so to see, you know, Bob eat kale and farro and and a bunch of other stuff he's never had before, uh, it's a big jump. So he's come a long way, and we'll get we'll get him plant strong. All right. I consider myself a, a cadet in progress. If we look at Rip's book, yeah. <laughs> We're running out of time and I know you guys got to go. Uh, so I want to wrap it up with one final thing, which is uh, if there are, 
you know, there's teachers and, and uh, um, administrators that, that listen to the show. Uh, if there's something that any kind of advice for a teacher out there that is trying to kind of implement, you know, just the smallest of changes in his or her classroom or within the culture of his or her school. I mean, is there, you know, what kind of advice or, um, you know, ideas could you offer? I, I think there's two things that worked out really well here for us. One was that we, we formed a school wellness council. And so on the school wellness council, we have teachers who are interested in wellness. Uh, we have the school nurse, we have uh, our administrator, we have a parent from the PTA mm-hmm. and we invite uh, one student from each third grade class in and they meet, we try to meet once every other month. And so to have all those people sitting at the table talking about wellness together, I think that's a big reason why this is happening. Uh, we, we have these voices coming together with the common goal of, of improving the wellness of the school. So I think you have to find your, your wellness buddies at the school uh, to, to work on anything. You can't do it alone. Right. And, and I, and I said teachers and administrators, but I guess that, you know, there's lots of moms and dads too that have kids and, and, uh, you know, can start with the PTA too, right? Like right, right. raising the issue with the PTA or, you know, the parent coming in and raising it with the teacher and seeing if they can kind of get a foothold. And then, way. right. And then the other thing was our nonprofit partners. We, when we set out with the mission to, to educate our students in health and nutrition, uh, as educators, we each had a different field of expertise, but that wasn't one of our fields. So right. we invited Fan for Kids and the New York Coalition for Healthy School Food, and we worked with the Alliance for a Healthier Generation. And so we have these nonprofit groups that are already working on it. And so we don't have to reinvent the wheel. They're, they're already providing resources. They always, they're on the phone a- answering questions. They're providing the nutrition education that we need. So you don't as if you feel like you're an individual educator or parent uh, you don't have to fight this battle alone there are people out there who are already doing it and willing to help i i think that's a big point in saying there's help out there there's people that can help make this journey possible you know it, and it's it's been an effort for us to find people and work with them but it's it's worked out so well for us in the long run mm-hmm. and finding partners if you're in new york new york coalition for healthy school foods was huge for us right and i was going to ask is are there organizations like that in other states well the big one that we would recommend is the alliance for a healthier generation so they helped us set the standards they helped us aim for what our big goals were going to be and to eventually now be recognized as we're one of the top 0.04% of healthy schools in the nation. Right. But in order to do that, they set standards for us. You know, the amount of exercise that happens on a regular basis, the, what's going on in the kitchen, what kind of education are we giving kids? So you look for those opportunities to, one, set the standards and, two, set your goals and help guide just guide you in a, a place to be. None of us went to school to be nutritionists. We didn't mm-hmm. have that background, but it's something that you have to be open to learning and spending time with. Christian teaches science, full day science. And I'm, you know, as principal, have plenty of things going on. Yeah. But we've dedicated time to this. 
time outside of what would be a normal teaching day or a normal administrator's day to devote specifically for this purpose. Mm-hmm. So it's a big commitment. Well, it's paying off. We think so. Yeah. You guys are doing amazing work here. Like I said, I'm super inspired and uh, I can't wait to uh, see this kind of thing cropping up in schools across the nation. And you guys are mavericks and my hat is off to you. I applaud you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming. You're changing lives. You're changing lives. So thanks so much. Uh, I I know you guys got to go. As we were were saying before we started, we're, we were uh, happy to have you in because as people that love to exercise ourselves, we get to look at, at you and say that's an opportunity for us to yeah. to, to target. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to be doing an ultra marathon or ultra Ironman anytime soon, but you know it's a it's that's a good right. place to be. In, yeah, in other words, sure. we want to be like you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I'd love to come back. I'd love to talk to the kids too next time I'm in, I'm in New York and um, and keep doing what you're doing. Guys. For sure, we could have yeah. you over for yes. lunch. Yeah. All right, I would love that. Absolutely, that would be great. All right, cool. Thank, right, thank you. you, Rich. Thank you. Thank you for coming. All right.